Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Idle Australians with James and Asha. Idle Australians with James and Asha. Idle Australians with James and Asha. Let's get the show going, boys. Hello, friend. Hello. I'm, if I'm shiny, it's because I've just eaten a massive bowl of Vietnamese pho with a heap of chili in it. I wasn't going to mention it, but <laughs> yeah. The sweat- you are a little dewy. <laughs> are you saying that because my last name's Ginsburg? You are, aren't you? Um, <laughs> I never put that together. Really? But, yeah. Clammy is probably a better hey, term. It's really good. Growing up where I, you know, my parents being, you know, one Lithuanian, one Czech, I had no idea that Vietnam, the place that I only knew about from the war on the telly, had some of the most amazing food in the world. And I've, I've since had this, I found this place that can do a vegan, gluten-free fur, and then a Brazilian man on a bicycle will bring it to my house and I eat it and it's amazing. That is incredible. What a time to be alive. And together- Look at us. I'm really excited to be doing this with you. Yes. We've known each other for 21 years. There was a time when I think we were doing Channel V and Australian Idol. I think we were on television between cable TV and network TV seven days a week for like seven years. Yeah. Yeah, we were. Yeah, we were. You were in my pocket. Yes. You were attached to my hip. And I wouldn't trade it for the world. Your hip? <laughs> I've got a new one. <laughs> I know. It's banged up. It's not because of you. No, you were attached to the other side. This is the one I had to get replaced because it wasn't supported by you. That's why. That's oh, why I needed bless. a replacement on this side, Jimmy. <laughs> and when there was one set of footprints, my child, that was when <laughs> I carried you. <laughs> Oh, my God. <laughs> With a poster on the back of a naturopath's toilet door. <laughs> uh, so, here we are, Idle Australians. It is, it is the podcast about untold stories and unsung heroes from this great nation. So few of the really, really great Australian stories get told. Mm. And even the ones that do get told, we don't actually hear the often the best bits. We might get the greatest hits. You know, how was the Eagles concert? Well, they played Hotel California and that's it. That's that's all you get. Mm. You don't get the nitty-gritty. You don't get the really good bits. And also I'm imagining that what some people might think the great moments in Australian history might not correlate to the things that we think are particularly poignant <laughs> from the last 10, 20, 30, 40 years. It'll be a journey, Osh into the minutiae of what we love and what you at home or in the car or in your bedroom enjoy. Well, 
that's what we will be taking you through. And to start off in our very first episode, I'm going to take you back to a place you know very, very well. Actually, probably a few places. Let me ask you a question. What comes to mind when you think of Paris? Oh, um, Rob Mills. <laughs> that's, oh, that's that's the the oh the city the city the Paris. City. Uh, oh, uh, an amazing metro, incredible, the best vegan meal I think I've ever had in my life, and riding around on the back of a tandem bicycle with Luke Heggie, watching him seamlessly slip from Bogan Brisbane accent into accentless French while giving people lost Parisians directions. Okay. I would have accepted uh, the Louvre or Champs-Élysées or oh, yeah. Eiffel Tower or Croissants, but they okay. can also be part of your recollection. Amsterdam, what comes to mind? Oh, man, canals, bicycles, heaven on earth for bicycles. Incredible place. I almost moved there. I love, I love it so much. Incredible city, right? Amazing. Barcelona? <laughs> it's got a TH in the middle of it and it's really Barcelona. weird. Barcelona. Unexplainably has a TH in the middle of it. Naps in the middle of the day mm. is the most wonderful thing about being in Spain. Mm. Yeah. Socially acceptable. Yeah. Culturally codified. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Can't help you. Store's closing for two hours. I'm going home to sleep. I know. Amazing. We need more of that here. Well, uh, they are all just extraordinary international cities. And you yeah. know what they have in common? What do they have in common, Jimmy? They were the three cities that tried to bid for the 1992 Olympic Games. And do you know who else tried to bid for the 1992 <laughs> Olympic Games? I 100% know. <laughs> There's nobody alive who was my age that was living there at the time that didn't hear every second of the day that my hometown, Brisbane, was going for gold. And 10 years after the Commonwealth Games, they're going to go, boom, tish, we're going to stand on the dais and hand out some gold medals at the Olympic Games. Brisbane. Brisbane tried. I Now, see, I, I love that you know it. In the news this week, Brisbane apparently have the inside running, the number one chance of hosting the 2032 Olympic Games, Right. In passing, on the news, someone mentioned that they had also bid previously, and that, to me, was a revelation, a massive surprise. You had no idea? No, not even an, an inkling. It was on the radio every day. It was on the news every night. The, Sally Ann Atkinson, the Lord Mayor, was a god. There was Expo that was on the way. This is what, like 85, 86 or something? Expo was coming. We just had the Commonwealth Games. It was triumphant. There was a winking kangaroo. Brisbane was now no longer a big cow town. We were a world city, and we were going to invite the world four years after Expo. We were going to have the Olympics, and it was going to be amazing. I'm not surprised, though, that no one outside of Queensland knew this because growing up in Queensland, I had to accept that the rest of Australia, mostly Sydney and Melbourne, just ignore every other part of the country and they like to pretend that nobody else exists. I mean, there is a bit of that, but <laughs> I just, it just, when I looked at the cities that had also been in the running, Barcelona, Amsterdam, Paris, Brisbane sort of felt like an outlier. And as you look more into it, you see that, man, it was a really 
plucky little effort from Brisbane. And the more you read about it, the more ridiculous and inspired the whole thing becomes. Yes, it does, sure does, particularly when you consider what we had going into it versus what the ultimate winner had going into it. We'll get to that. <laughs> Let's. Um, I, I want to show you this. I don't yeah. know if you've ever seen this. This is their, the video that they made for their bid to show to the world yeah. why Brisbane, Brisbane, a city in, in 1985, yeah. 86, there wouldn't have been a million people there. No. I mean, no, they're, just under a million, yeah. But Am- they Amsterdam's have an international not that big airport? Amsterdam's, yeah, we had an international airport, but Amsterdam wasn't even that. Amsterdam's not that big. Don't rain on this parade. Okay. So, hang on. So, it's a video. It's a promo video that they made. Yeah. Look at this. Oh, my God. Jean-Michel Jarre on the music. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Lasers. There's lasers. Space lasers. There's 3D animation. This would have cost them so much money. There's a bloke with a moustache doing hurdles. Oh, okay, there's... I'm so excited by the camera tech. There's another laser. There's fucking lasers. There's touch screens. There's a satellite dish. I think we're... Okay, so this is obviously being sent to the IOC committee, right, who don't all have English as a first language. So they're they're trying to communicate without using words that we're ready. There's a gymnast on some parallel bars, just full package, straight at the camera in slow-mo. Anyway, you get the idea. I'm so thrilled by that. That is peak 80s. The short shorts, the moustaches, the fake laser beams. The 3D graphics that probably would have cost $20,000 a minute. How long is that video? Oh, my God, it's 20 minutes long. There's <laughs> 20, 20 minutes of that? Minutes. There's oh, fucking 20 minutes of that? There is no narration. There is no text. It is just a 20-minute montage of iconic Australian imagery and graphics that look like were made on an Atari 2600 is a thing of beauty. Amsterdam surely didn't have that. Come on. <laughs> I don't know yeah. what Amsterdam had, but we had a plan. We had Brisbane had a plan of how it was going to roll out. It wasn't going to cost them much money, and they had specific Olympic precincts where different events were going to take place. But as an athlete, you would never have to travel more than 20Ks throughout Brisbane to see any event or to get to your particular venue. And one of the venues was going to be Boondle. Oh, yeah. That's right. The Entertainment Centre. Seen many a gig there. I used to watch the Brisbane Bullets play basketball there. Well, the very venue that you used to watch the Brisbane Bullets play basketball was going to be the venue of the 1992 Men's Olympic basketball. Are you telling me the, the the dream team could have played there? Correct. This is what I'm saying. Oh, my God. Larry Bird, Magic Johnson, Charles Barkley, Michael Jordan at Boondle. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that was the pitch. <laughs> oh, that would have been unbelievable. 
Oh my god, that would have been incredible. <laughs> 1992, I would have been 18. That would have been fucking amazing. Tell us a bit about Boondall. So a lot of Brisbane, a lot of the east, northeast of Brisbane is just mud flat, all right? And so for decades it was just mangrove and mud flat and wetlands, you know, where the Ibis would live before they came into your wheelie bins, right? And then through the 80s we had a premier Joe Bjelke-Peterson, who was not a great human being and environmental impact statements were not a thing at all. And so there was a lot of draining of wetlands and redevelopment of wetlands. They ended up building the massive Brisbane airport on some of these wetlands and the, the Boondle Entertainment Centre was built in the middle of these wetlands. It's just probably, I don't know, 27 centimetres above high tide mark. But it was this, this humongous entertainment centre with the, the greatest, humongous, most massive car park you've ever seen. And every of the big, every one of the big, big, big gigs that I saw as a kid, that's where I saw them. And it was always so exciting going out there. You know, it was We're so going, exciting. kids, get in the car. We're going to Burndall. Well, there was one, it was a one lane road. And so when there was a big concert on and like a ticket says, get there at eight o'clock by six o'clock. There was a traffic jam that went 20 kilometers back and be like, fuck, we're going to miss it. We're going to miss it. Fucking hurry up, dad. Hurry up, dad. And you know, sure enough, we'd, you'd finally get in the front door at like five minutes past nine and the band was already on. Fingers crossed they would have maybe made a couple more roads for their <laughs> 92 bid. They're Brisbane. still building that road. <laughs> you remember, though, who actually got the games in 1992? It was Barcelona. Freddie Mercury and uh, Montserrat Caballa. Excuse my Spanish. Well, they're really miming really hard here. Oh, my God. So, Jim, we might not have had Freddie Mercury and Montserrat Caballa. We didn't have them uh, to sing a song about our town, but we did have... Kim Durant, who, at the behest of BTQ7, the Channel 7 franchise, up in Queensland. Now, this is a fucking anthem, mate. You are miming. You know all the words. Hold on. Stand by. Ready, Pyro? Ready, Pyro? Go, Pyro! See, the backing vocals are just as good. We laugh, we cry, we struggle, we try. They just had to roll out Kim Durant and they probably would have had it. That's a banger. That's a total banger. That is a banger. And where would would you have heard that as a kid in Brisbane? (laughs) Every ad break on Channel 7. Oh, amazing. I love it. They used it, I think I they, because it. it was really long too. It was like a two minute long video. I think they used it to time out for the national uh, broadcasts when they had five minute ad breaks that they'd sold down in Sydney and Melbourne. We didn't have that many clients, so they needed to shove two minutes of ads in. <laughs> so they played that instead and played every, every hour. Kim Durant? Kim Durant, yeah. Well, guess who is our first guest? On Idol Australians. Who's their first guest on Idol Australians, James? It is Kim Durant performing live. <laughs> oh, my God. Acoustic and unplugged. <laughs> no, I didn't know. I didn't I haven't organised that. She would have been amazing. No, actually, instead, it's uh, someone else. We have a guest? 
Hey. Hang on. We have guests on this show? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, it's, it's a story of, you know, unsung heroes, untold stories. I explained this to you at the start. What's the problem? There's no problem at all. Yes, this is happening. The absolute trailblazer, the living legend, the icon of Briz Vegas, Sally Ann Atkins, the only woman to have been Lord Mayor of the city, the driving force behind that audacious 92 bid. What do you remember, Sally Ann, about that attempt? Oh, goodness, so much. I mean, I suppose one of the first things that comes to mind and came to mind then was that Brisbane was a different place. The world was a different place. And people would say, good heavens, why does Brisbane think it could possibly host the Olympic Games? And, of course, as you know, we came third in the field of six, so that was a pretty good show. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, behind the international powerhouses of Paris and Barcelona, you must have been really proud. How did the idea of having a crack at the Games first start to percolate? It wasn't really a percolation. Brisbane had hosted the Commonwealth Games in 1982 and they were a great success and there was the usual, goodness, people were surprised. Goodness, goodness, Brisbane did it, did it so well. And the Lord Mayor of the day, uh, Roy Harvey, was so fired up with the success of those games that he stood up in the Queen Street Mall and said, we're going to go for the Olympics. And um, they went, oh, goodness. Right. <laughs> right. I mean, who amongst us hasn't been fired up in the middle of Queen Street Mall and said something a little bit over the top? I mean, what was your initial reaction at just the sheer ambition of Brizzy attempting this? I wasn't in council. I wasn't the Lord Mayor when this idea was first put up. And even when I became Lord Mayor, it was, oh, goodness, this is a really big thing to do. But when I sat down and I was briefed when I came into office, about what it all meant and what it would cost and what it would involve and how the bidding process would go, I realised then that we could do it. And even if we didn't actually get the games, I saw the bidding process as a wonderful marketing opportunity for Brisbane, and and so it proved. In those days, people in the rest of the world, uh, when they thought of Australian cities, they thought of Sydney or Melbourne. Nobody had heard of Brisbane, so it gave us an opportunity to talk about Brisbane, to show videos um, of Brisbane, to invite IOC members to come to Brisbane and see for themselves. So I was always pretty realistic about our chances, but the message that I used to give to uh, the IOC members, the ones that I got close to and could have informal chats with, was in Australia we have a very famous horse race called the Melbourne Cup, and the favourite never wins. <laughs> so great. I love that relentlessly optimistic underdog spirit. So I guess it's late 1986 and you head over to Switzerland to make your final pitch to the Olympic Committee. I led the bid as a big team. Uh, we had John Brown as the federal minister um, there with us. I led the big, big, big team to make the speech to the IOC uh, members to say this is why Brisbane should host the Games. And then I was there for what was a disappointing moment when Barcelona was to be was announced as the winner. But I wasn't I was prepared for that because in the sort of the days beforehand, 
I had said to various um, Latin American members um, and, and some of the Europeans, um, I, I remember saying to the Mexican IOC uh, member, uh, Eduardo Hay, uh, are the Latin countries going to vote for Barcelona? And he looked me in the eye and he said, yes. So it was very much, he is, it was a political process. Um, so I knew that at the, that final stage, on that last day, that we probably weren't going to win. So I was prepared for that. And as I said, I was realistic about it. So it's 35 years since you went. How would you describe the lobbying of the IOC? Like, what do you, what do you have to do when you lobby the IOC? Did you see any greasing of the wheels, so to speak? I have to say, in all honesty, I saw no examples of corruption, which we heard a lot about later. Uh, you know, I don't know whether I was being a bit naive, but I don't think so. Um, we were pretty straightforward and transparent. We invited IOC members to come to Brisbane. They looked at our facilities. You know, there was no money changed hands. There was no, uh, there were no scholarships given to uh, IOC members who might want to come here. Um, but I always remember on the actual day uh, when we were all sitting in the very, very large hall in Lausanne in Switzerland, all the members of the, the six bidding teams all sitting virtually together in our in our groups and somebody leaning forward and saying, um, well, have you heard what uh, what Paris has done? And we went, no, 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 what? Uh, given all the IOC wives uh, fur coats. And of course, we all <laughs> shrieked with laughter. And then somebody said, oh, yes, but have you heard what Barcelona has done? No, no, what's Barcelona done? They've put girls in them. <laughs> Genius. How are you going to compete with that? Now, you end up going to the actual Barcelona games when they come around, and as you were there enjoying it, was there a part of you that thought, oh, we could have done this? Well, the Barcelona games were very untidy. Um, a lot of the facilities weren't finished. Um, a lot of the hotels weren't properly built. It was very wonderful and Spanish and exciting, a wonderful, wonderful uh, Concert, I remember with, the, with that. Oh, I can't remember. So, you know, the famous Spanish classical guitarist beforehand, wonderful things like that. One thing you'd have to say about Australians, we are very organized. You know, the Sydney Games were a dream. Everything ran like clockwork. They mightn't have had quite the pizzazz of um, Barcelona, they mightn't have been quite as historically significant in terms of ancient ruins as Athens, but by golly, they were well organized. And I, I can remember back when we were hosting the Commonwealth Games in 1982, everything was built so far ahead that I thought they might wear out by the time the Games came along. We had everything well and truly built beforehand, well and truly built in time. Yeah, we're a laid-back nation, but when it comes to sports, we sure know how to get our shit together. You are such a pioneer, Sally. Um, Brisbane was the only bid team led by a woman, and, and you're the first ever Brisbane Lord Mayor. Did you have to break a lot of new ground in some ways? Oh, in every way, in every way. You know, I mean, it was a bit of a surprise to people. Brisbane had been a Labour city for many years. Um, even my mother kept saying you can't win because it's a, this Brisbane is a labor city. So it was a bit of a shock to a lot of people. And I was 42 at the time, you know, my, 
five children. Um, it was a shock for IOC members and a good shock, if I may say so, because they'd always mm. thought of Australians being um, big, booty sportsmen. And here they had sort of a young woman who could speak French. So it was a bit, it was a bit different. There was an advantage as well as the difficulties along the way of having to fight your way um, and try to be heard. But there are always advantages in everything as well as the, the disadvantages. But I would like to see another female Lord Mayor by 2032. Now, Jimmy, if I'm not mistaken, if I recall correctly, the Barcelona Olympic flame involved, the lighting involved archery, didn't it? You are bloody spot on. It's one of the great moments in Olympic history. We're watching the Olympic torch arriving in the stadium by a runner, a bloke in shorts. He's walking over. Oh, hang on. And now the moment for Antonio Rabolo. He has practiced this more than a thousand times. That's because he keeps fucking it up. <laughs> 37 years old. He's launching a framing arrow. Into the night sky, into the cauldron! He's successful. He's bloody done it. Cut to the helicopter shot. Wow. Antonio, crack shot, mate. Absolutely crack shot. You're only live around the world to a couple of billion people watching. I'm sure there was no contingency plan there, Jim. I'm sure they didn't have the... You know, someone with a bick hiding behind. <laughs> what a moment. You'd hope so. I mean, that is, they really nailed that. you got to give it to Barcelona and Antonio Rebello Linan <laughs> shooting a flaming arrow. What would have been the Brisbane? I don't know. The equivalent? Yeah. Maybe a bottle of Forex and a lit hanky, <laughs> a Queensland Molotov cocktail. Just... <laughs> Side-armed into the cauldron. <laughs> so many options. I mean, and that that's a missed opportunity, obviously, for Sally yeah. Ann. But it would have been amazing. So, so many options. It would have been incredible. But, yeah, they missed out. It was a failed bid. The real question is, and why this is a great story, is that was it really a failure? John Coates, who worked on that bid, ends up, running the successful Sydney bid a decade later using all of those lessons from that campaign. Was that, is that a failure? Sally gets a trip to Switzerland and the fur coat out of it. Is, is that a failure? She got a lot more than that, man. She built an amazing political career. <laughs> she was a god. She was incredible. Brisbane City Council is one of the largest, most powerful councils in the country, if not the largest, most powerful council in the country, because unlike Sydney, which is a clusterfuck where you can't build a bike lane across four streets because three city councils intersect and no one can decide what, the Brisbane City Council is just one gigantic area. So they just go, uh, this bike lane's going to run for 25 kilometres and great. And it does. It's amazing. No, I don't mean to belittle Sally. She's a bloody legend. She's a legend Sally in Brisbane. Sally My Ann. point is that the idea of when you try for something and you don't succeed, it's it's a failure, it's a failed bid. But I, I would say it's the opposite, you know. In many ways, like, they had no right to bid for that. No. Like, they weren't a glamorous international city. They didn't have the resources. They didn't have a, a crazy budget like I'm sure Paris did. But- they didn't care. They didn't care if people hadn't heard about them. They didn't give a shit if they weren't slick or as polished. 
they were plucky and they were ambitious and they just believed in what they were doing. And they, I think they, they also were like, look, we've at least got stadiums built. <laughs> the other guys didn't have stadiums built. Well, when you say stadiums, <laughs> they had the Boondle Entertainment Mate, we had, we had done the Commonwealth Games like three years before and it was so exciting for us because at school, when we did our school sports day, we would do school sports day at the stadium where they did it. And this thing was like a 60,000-seater. It was massive, absolutely massive. It was super-duper exciting. I think why... I love the story is that pluckiness though, you know, that they they didn't care whether they were good enough. They just were just fiercely optimistic. They didn't give a shit. That sort of resonates with me, you know, applying for things that I'm not really qualified to do or prepared <laughs> for is like a central linchpin of my entire career, so <laughs> so this this story is close to my heart in many ways, and to yours as it a was, Brisbane kid. Look, I know, I, and I get why it's exciting for you, and yet it made perfect sense living in Brisbane. Like we had just had the Commonwealth Games; the Queen was literally just here. We were two years away from Expo '88 showing up. And so there was all these ads on TV going, the world is coming, the world is coming. We're going to have this massive thing called Expo 88 showing up. It's going to run for six months. It's going to be fucking amazing. The whole world's going to come and visit. And then they went, and we're going to try for the Olympics. Like, of course we're going to try for the Olympics. Why not? (laughs) It's the next logical step. (laughs) Make the Olympics happen. Because at the time, there was all this international investment just pouring in because of the aforementioned Queensland government and them turning – blind eyes and grateful hands, there was money everywhere at the time. Mm. So it made- Corrupt as fuck. Oh, my. How good it would have been if the Olympics had come, how sketchy it would have gotten. Bless, bless Brizzy, <laughs> Briz Vegas, Brisneyland. I mean, that was Brisbane at the time. Brisbane in 1985, a, a city full of possibility, a city that says, why not? Let's go for the biggest thing in the world as far as sport's concerned. Do we still have that? As Australians, Jim? I mean, they're going for it again. I mean, they, they, they're having a shot. Yeah, but Brisbane tw- now's Brisbane got a W hotel. Like, it's different now. I, I think- Like, so out of their league. Like, so completely out of their league. Yeah. I think we go for anything these days as a country, but I think we probably lack it in ourselves a lot. People second guess themselves or tell themselves they're not good enough or I can't do that or I'm not ready for that. But I don't know, as a country, I think we like we go for Olympics, we go for World Cups, we go for World Championships, we invent stuff that changes the world. Have we have we lost it? Are you saying on a personal level we we maybe don't do that? You know, I think sometimes People are too ready to cut others down for having a go at something that maybe is out of their league. You know, we've got all sorts of language for it, you know, don't get too big for your boots or stay in your lane or stick to your knitting. You know, I I think more people have to like have the Sally Ann philosophy of just like, fuck it, I'm just going to have a crack at this. And that's like at its core a super Australian trait, 
and like, look at this champion. Look at this hero. Yeah. But to do that, you've got to have that, like, naivety, you know, and I think that's what Brisbane had a little bit of. And when we overthink, like, what we can do or can't do or shouldn't do, we just hobble ourselves, you know? Yeah. Let's not do that. No. Think like Sally Ann Atkinson. Just wake up, (laughs) set shit on fire and think. See what happens. What would Sally Ann do, you know? (laughs) Actually, can we start selling them on our website? What would Sally Ann do? What would Sally Ann do? Yeah. I'm getting on Redbubble. I'm making the coffee cup now. We've got merch just like that. We've got a podcast one minute. We've got merch the next. Next up, Olympic bid. (laughs) (laughs) And I think we can all learn from that. Just bloody put on your pants, get out of bed, give it a shake. Dip it in fire Mm -hmm. and shoot it at the cauldron. (laughs) Dip it in fire and see what happens. (laughs) Now, if Brisbane do get the 2032 games, I have an idea of how they can... Light the cauldron yeah. this time round. What are you thinking? Sally what do you like with a bow and arrow? <laughs> I've actually don't think I've ever used a bow and arrow. My, my means of attack, my chosen methods of attack are slightly different. Well, we got 10 years, Sally. <laughs> Get cooking. Yeah, well, true, 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 yes, that's, that's true. I'm always looking to take up new things and new challenges, and that could be one of them. If there is an Idol Australian that you want us to talk about, please email us, idolaustralians at gmail.com. If you've got a story or a person throughout Australian history, kitsch, retro, whatever, yeah, we want to hear from you. We want to dig deep. Send us an email, idleaustralians at gmail.com. Find us on Instagram, idleaustralians, I-D-L-E, Australians. Are we going to get sued? Fuck, I hope not. I can't afford it. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.